You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast in Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoman Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Welcome to episode 40. And um, how are y'all faring? Gosh. July's and its Mercury-Mars team. I know for me, the news is the only place I see it, and the news is always Mercury-Mars. So I'm glad there has not been an escalation worth noting. It's just lots of angry people out there. Although I must admit, some have had incredibly eloquent, eloquent responses to this Mercury-Mars square, and that being the youngest representative uh, in the States there, AOC. I won't even try to pronounce her name because I know I'd get it wrong, but I'm sure most of you have seen uh, the video of her response um, to the heckling or whatever it is she got from a Republican Party member. Okay, so I am going to forge on with uh, taking you through another chart reading. Excuse me. But before I get into it, what I wrote yesterday, I'm going to speak to how I approached it or should have maybe approached this question. Um, Because I kind of stalled out. I had some problems. Yeah. So here was the question that was posed to me, and of course, given chart details to go with it, what does my evolutionary path ahead look like, given I'm in my final quarter of life? Hmm. A subtle distinction that I missed is the idea of a path or journey that is ongoing, and it sounds like an appropriate question, but is it? We do talk about growing up, us astrologers, and uh, typically we, you know, um, outline that with the Saturn cycle. Um, and so briefly, I'm just going to go through that. So from um, zero to, uh, what is it, about nine, ten years old, um, that's kind of you coming into the world and um recognizing that you're a separate individual and then you look around and you go oh I have a peer group and then around 21 22 there is that final push to uh, figure out where you're going to fit in with the other 7 billion people on the planet and all of this is Saturn it's maturing it's setting boundaries it's drawing the lines in the sand this is me this is you And depending on your chart, that may be an easy journey or it may be incredibly difficult. At the Saturn return though, um, one is basically complete. All of the personality has stepped forward. You've you've had to work with all of it. Um, And in that second cycle, which is approximately 28 to 29 years, That's what I've always called the mover and shaker phase, where you do your thing out in the world to whatever degree and extent that makes sense to you. And yes, there are challenges that will happen within that um, in terms of your growth and maturity, but you have the full deck. You know what you're playing with, and it's up to you to decide whether or not you're going to challenge yourself to grow and mature. 
Then um, at the second Saturn return, around 58, 59, um, I see that as the step into uh, mentorship where um, the middle group, they really don't want to hear much about you <laughs> and what you're doing. Not everybody, obviously, but quite a few. Um, but the first group, the zero to 29s, they're quite willing to listen to those that are over the age of 60. And so to me, that's just sort of the classic mentorship. But it's also the time where if those middle 30 years were for everybody else, then lots of people will take that last segment and go, okay, this is my time. These are the things I want to do, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, but that doesn't really speak to evolution. Okay, so... Um, Okay, so what continues? Our natal chart is a promise, a set of possibilities, an allotment of good fortune and bad fortune, if you look at it from the ancient point of view. Then there is freedom and choice. Is evolution the path that happens when these two ways of seeing the world come together? Is that even a thing? I don't know. My second approach to answer this question has the premise that if you are here, you have lessons slash karma to work through. And at various times in your life, you will be dealing with those issues. Or some might say your life as it unfolds is the karmic lesson. The problem I see, or should say I stalled out on, has to do with quantifying someone's journey. This is your karma and you mastered this and now and this now, it's time to do, what have I written here? Doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay, so, but the, the entirety of karma isn't, you know, step one, step two, step three in a chart. It's just, this is what the karma is. Um, obviously, at different ages in your life, you will be able to approach it at ever deepening levels. But the actual you know, what do you have to do? That doesn't change. It's how deeply can you take it? How, how much can you actualize it? Okay. And also people do avoid their lessons. And, and, you know, of course, then you get it just keeps coming back to where you left off. <laughs> and, you know, that sort of um, I think there is a whole little story that goes uh, from the AA model where there's a hole in the road and, you know, you keep falling into it until you figure out that you can walk around it or do something different. Okay, evolution in the science arena, arena is about mutation over time. So I cannot see it applying to the astrology of an individual, but to large groups or countries and especially on a sociological perspective. Like I suspect right now, my age group, I'm part of the Leo, Pluto and Leo generation, um, the world has shifted a long way from what we grew up with. And yet I can't really see that because I'm not really involved in it. So there are those mutations, but again, um, on an individual level, yeah, no. Okay, there are cycles of individuation that some astrologers read, like the course I took from uh, Jeffrey Green, that shows where in a particular cycle of souls, in other words, a person incarnates, and they're likely going to incarnate given a particular lesson to learn several times before they graduate to the next lesson. Okay, 
Uh, but again, the script is for the entire life. It's not, you know, you're supposed to do this up until the age of this, and then you're supposed to do that in the next segment. Mm, yeah, I haven't seen a model that does it that way, not to say that there aren't astrologers that have figured that out. So his metric goes as follows. Newly incarnated, in other words, just recently graduated into being a human, and I don't know if that's a graduation or a demotion. I have my days when I think it's a demotion. But anyway, um, those are our really simple, happy people, okay? Uh, not lots of them at any point in time. The next group is large. Um, he figured that about 75% of the world is in the herd state, and that is H-E-R-D, uh, which is following all the rules of the status quo or not and having very little self-awareness. Now, the next group, which is predominantly what I used to see walking in my door um, when I practiced astrology years ago, um, and he figured that they're pretty much 24.99999% of the rest of the population, and they are at various stages of self-actualization, which um, I suspect people with the kind of question that this lady posed me, that that's the group that they're in. And of course, at the very top, we have the occasional realized individual like Buddha, Jesus, Mohammed, etc. Okay, I'm suspecting that there is a kernel here that at the moment, it's eluding me. But anyway, so what you're about to get um, is what I wrote last yesterday. And I'm not entirely sure if it actually answers her question. Um, you know, and at the end of my little blurb, I do ask her to, you know, please give me some feedback on this because, yeah, it's just the way the question was framed. It just, hmm. Okay. So my last comment here before I go on, I'm suspecting that only the clients themselves will know if they have stepped up to the plate and tackled their own growth. But knowing if you've, if you're done or how much you have left to do, well, if you're still alive, that may be the only clue. <laughs> okay, so anonymous number five. And here we have, I'm just going to briefly, although her chart is up on my website. And so this person has Scorpio rising, sun in Aries, moon in Cancer. Uh, it is a nighttime chart. Uh, so obviously with Scorpio rising, an Aries sun is below the horizon. She has Venus below as well in Aquarius in the fourth, Mercury in Pisces in the fifth, Saturn making um, a sort of a big aspect here to Uranus. So on a sociological point of view, the year she was born, the world was in a fair amount of chaos. So she has Saturn conjunct Uranus in Taurus. Um, she has uh, Mars, Jupiter conjunct in Gemini in the 8th, Moon of Sed in Cancer in the 9th, uh, Pluto right up there in the 10th, Neptune in Virgo in the 11th. Okay, so what I said here is not a wallflower. I suspect not. So I will repeat the question again. What does my evolutionary path ahead look like, given I am in the final quarter of my life? Okay, so as I said earlier, third Saturn chapter, this is an appropriate question 
Um, but I viewed it from the point of view of wisdom, mentorship. Yeah, that's what popped up for me. Point of view will need to be established. So I did take a stab at, hmm, wait a minute, what is there about this question? <laughs> um, okay, so, well, a chart does not give that perspective. Like it does not say this is a chart of a man or a woman. There's no way in a chart that you can determine that. Um, questions must be asked to clarify. Are we asking from a social perspective, becoming the best we can be, or what is my legacy to my family, to the world? Or a spiritual perspective, ranging from clearing old karma to preparing to meet your maker? You know, so you'd have to ask some questions here. I'm going to start with a Hellenistic perspective and then compare it to my old routine. Okay, so at this point in my Hellenistic style, I have not read many charts from the perspective of one's life's work. So I've taken that word of evolution and kind of, okay, so from the Hellenistic perspective, this could be one's life's work, which is indicated by the ruler of the lot of spirit. How this idea fits with a sociological viewpoint or legacy mentorship idea, which is how we could view this question as presented. This chart seems to have a split in perspective, which seems to show that where life has taken her and what her life's work is or evolutionary path appear to be split. Reconciling the two might just be the point, I think. <laughs> but let me lay it out, okay. So, as I said, night chart, that makes um, what the moon is doing, what Venus and Mars are doing the strongest. Um, they're also the sect light triplicity lords. Okay, so that side, of, that component of the chart is her through and through. We start with Scorpio rising, which means the steersman will be Mars, where Mars um, is okay where Mars points to is the overall direction of life not necessarily the um, life's work but you know where you know in what arena of life life is likely to be predominantly happening in okay so um, in our in our client's chart, Mars is of the sect in favor, so yay, even though he's a malefic, he, she can handle him, which is good. Um, and it also rules the sun. Okay, so there's going to be energy and heart in her life, definitely. Uh, where is he taking this client? Well, unfortunately, down a bit of a rabbit hole. The ascendant which is one's own sense of self, cannot see that life is gonna go down this rabbit hole, which is the eighth house. So how does that work? The steersman in the eighth, which in ancient times was considered a bad house, okay, so this is the allotment of good fortune and bad fortune, so unfortunately, this is a bad piece, um, and it relates to death, inheritance, inheritances, taxes, other people's money, idle and lazy. The modern perspective was not so harsh with the eights. It added shared resources. And what happens when being with someone is up close and personal? We obviously impact each other and things have to change because of that. Joined at the hip comes to mind. This has me looking at the layout and I see that all of the personal planets are on the seventh house side of the chart, 
um, using the fourth, tenth axis. Okay. So this is all about other. And you will, this person will have to adapt to others. In other words, um, if you see all of the personal planets on the ascendant side, they basically go their own way. Other people can follow or not. But if it's the other side, no, you've got people in your life, you're going to have to deal with it. There was an interesting piece, though, that I saw with this Scorpio rising, because I'm starting to incorporate some of the other things that astrologers these days are playing with. And one of them are asteroids. And there are gobs of asteroids, by the way. Um, you could basically turn your chart black with all of the asteroids. And, but this, this lady has Amor, so that's A-M-O-R, a Roman god of love, which represents compassion, empathy, and loving kindness. Okay, so eighth house, what kinds of death? Hmm. Let's add a few more things first. This is Mars in Gemini, madly off in all directions. He will do this expansively. Why? Because he's co-present with Jupiter. He'll do it with a smile on his face in possibly 27 different languages or relationships. Um, there is a quality when you put Mars with Jupiter of successful creative activity. Hmm, this is the eighth house though. Um, okay, so maybe with others, um, can play out, act out, on the day of the dead, I don't know, dancing with an inheritance, I don't know, the joy of living that can embrace death. Hmm, this sounds interesting. But Mars has gone down a rabbit hole, implying that this was not a planned direction. So how happy is Mars? Mars is in Jupiter's bounds, so he's right next to Jupiter in his own deacon. That's good. Okay. He looks to Mercury as the ruler of Gemini. Now, Mercury is in Pisces. Eh. Mercury does not do well in Pisces. Ah, but wait a minute. Okay. There is a mutual reception with Mercury's ruler, Jupiter, and they can see each other. So I'm going to say that even though this is Mars, can't be seen by the Ascendant, means there's a, a, dar a door that she can't see that she's going to end up going down and into all the time and going... Why is that? <laughs> okay, but she's going to have the tools she needs to handle it. So that is good. The other asteroid that I noticed is one called Circe, almost, I'm not sure, C-I-R-C-E, and it's conjunct Mars. And this alludes to the ability to use magic, herbs, and alchemy to, to arrive at an end or assisting in the transformation of others. Um, the only catch is you got to be clear on your motive. So in the 8th house, supporting people, handling 8th house issues, death, taxes, inheritances, being lazy and idle, etc., etc. Okay. She can assist others through transformational journeys that will feel like death. And, and it can be more than just about the physical. Moving, our, moving on in certain scenarios is very hard. The moon, the other personal indicator, is happy in her own sign of cancer. Yes, in the ninth. The tr this trines that ascendant. Remember, the moon in ancient times had a 13-degree orb. Okay. So, the ninth seeks meaning. Cancer also means sensitive to her roots, spiritual, social, familial. Okay, what does this mean? 
That's going to be part of her comfort in her life, you know, just to feel that she understands what is the meaning of my life. So ergo, the question, you know, makes perfect sense. Um, and it could be, of course, also in not just the uh, social familial, but the spiritual and mystical, universal, that sort of way. This, indica this indicator lets us know that drawing conclusions or documenting journeys or leaving breadcrumbs for others to follow is a requirement for a happy life. The moon does not see Mars directly, but does connect to the actual ascendant. The internal landscape is sound. Okay, I suspect the life direction has been a bit of a surprise. In other words, why do I end up going down that road? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> okay, the moon ascendant connection also brings Mercury along, and we are getting a nice grand trine of feelings happening. Folks that are comfortable in the realm of feelings who can ride the emotional waves are a huge gift to the overly rational world we live in. The eighth house life direction has tools. Yay. Moving on, we see that the steersman rules the exalted sun in Aries. So there's heart here, and there's lots of it. Um, it's in the sixth house. The fire in the belly must deal with ser being of service, with people with injuries, sicknesses, hostilities directed towards her. Her sun also joins forces with the moon by aspect pushing that cancer moon security um, of what does this all mean okay so there's a there's a tension between uh, what she you know is asked to do and how comfortable um, and what does it mean so you know there's a tension there uh, but this sun has help from both mars and jupiter and it can see them okay so yeah I get the impression that life has put her in the trenches when all she thought she would have to do is follow well-established roads, moon, cancer, ninth. Life throws you into the trenches and you discover you are quite capable. Imagine that. The angles of the chart will have something to say as well. And here's where we get to the piece about, um, you know, sort of the, the purpose of this life. Okay, Saturn, as it turns out, is um, the ruler of the lot of spirit. Okay, so her Saturn is in Taurus. It's the most challenging piece she has. And her challenges will come from, guess what? Others. And others who are entrenched and stubborn and, yeah, that could be older partners, authoritarian partners, or late to the marriage game. This Saturn is the ruler, like I said, of the Lord of Spirit, which indicates one's life's work. Hmm. Okay, so here's where I kind of hit that split. You know, it's like the direction of her life is eighth, and yet her life's worth work has to do with definitely one-on-one -on -one relationships. So um, she's probably had to do the two together. In other words, her personal relationships will also take her into the eighth house of, you know, people going through difficult times um, and having to, you know, pony up and be available for that. Okay, Venus is also aspecting and it doesn't really tie in to the other piece that I was talking about. It's in the fourth. 
So that tells me that those face-to-face -face relationships are also likely to be of the family, okay? Uh, Saturn does not sit in the seventh alone, but only a few weeks after birth was conjoined to Uranus, causing a major upheaval in the world. At the time, uh, half of the world or more was embroiled in the Second World War. Technology was having a huge impact and the countdown to the nuclear was underway. The energy of major configurations echo through the lives of people who are born when they happen. The Saturn-Uranus conjunction at 29 degrees Taurus happened only six weeks later. Uh, Saturn and Taurus entrenched values clashed with, uh, you know, the Venus in Aquarius for her, which likely wanted to draw new lines and had already been started in the family. So I suspect there was the old family values and systems and then the new family values and systems and there was a huge struggle going on there. The legacy of the tension would echo in our natives' life as well. Much like children born in 2020 will carry this structural change in human affairs forward in time. Did life and her relationships bring about seismic shifts? Your life's work might be to understand the changes in personal relationship values. If so, what is your legacy? How will you report that? Leave breadcrumbs, nourish future generations. Saturn requires that we take responsibilities for our choices. What are the lessons you learned and carry those forward? Her Leo 10th house has a signature that points to skills in relation to healing the self and others. And remember, there was sort of that magical alchemy piece that went with this. So the art of medicine. And this isn't necessarily, when I say medicine, it's when we grow and evolve, evolution, um, there are things that will support that. Okay, a capable woman whose life took roads not easy to be on, yet she had the tools and resources to go and be of value to others. This life has a legacy that can be coded and passed on through that moon in Cancer in the ninth. Alrighty. Now the timing from the Hellenistic point of view suggests that she was in her last active book, in other words, where life is like really making her move and shake, up and but it wrapped up in 2006. So between 2006 and 2026, okay, so only a few years away, is about themes that were initiated from 1998 to 2006, that they become fully realized, then wrapped up and brought to completion before 2026. And at that time, she gets a new start. Okay. At present, and that's this year exactly, the lot of spirit ruler is activated on two levels. Literally, how you handle this year, 2020, the relationships you are involved with, personal, sibling, family, will be indicated, indic indicative of your life's work and how much you've progressed, how much still needs to be done. Hard work, to be sure, requires that issues still unresolved from years prior to 1971 be dealt with as best you can. Would I have come up with anything remotely similar back in the day? So I am going to switch gears, check my time. Yeah, I'm doing all right. So, you know, client had to come in 20 years ago. I would have first looked 
at her chart with a word evolution from my Jeffrey Green model. But since then, I have also noticed that his model has been taken up by other astrologers and tweaked and evolved. And so I'm just going to do a little piece from Jeffrey Wolf Green's perspective, and then I'm going to switch to the work of Stephen Forrest. Okay, so um, what's indicated here um, is that she is recently started a new cycle of evolution, soul's evolution, as Jeffrey Green would put it, um, and she is in still in the discovery, but it's like um, she's had enough lifetimes going down this new road that she's actually ticking along really well. So I would expect that there is this feeling that, okay, and, and ergo the question, yeah, I got issues or I've got stuff I want to learn, but, you know, what's next? What's next? Let me get on with it. Let me get on with it. And so that fits. Now, the next part that I'm going to talk about is what she was actually came here to do. Okay, so we start with the nodes of the moon, which are mathematical points that tie the earth and the sun together. Um, so, so the earth, the sun, and the moon. And it mathematically, it represents the point where the eclipses will happen. And yeah, there's lots on the internet if you need to have more. Okay, so we start with the sign of the south node, and this characterizes the individual's prior life psychological character and emotional agenda that pertains to this life. And so in this model, uh, not all of the past lives impact on any one particular life. Rather, there are lives that are led that follow sort of like in this sequence thing. Are they right? I have no idea. Okay, this client has a Pisces south node. And so therefore we know that emotionally in the past life that is associated with this one, she was experiencing different ways of loss of self. Life could have felt like a dream. It might have been spiritually energetic, possibly magical with natural psychic sensitivity. Imagination would definitely have been strong and creativity. Okay, it's in the fifth house. So this adds um, the situation, the circumstances, tells us that that spirituality might actually have been of the alcoholic kind, hedonism, fifth house, could have had to do with her life being totally subsumed by children, uh, creative and romantic might have been the way she went and it might have taken her way out on the edges of societies that you know those moments where people in in um, reveling in romantic love go way out beyond what is socially acceptable okay Pisces is ruled by Jupiter in her chart and he we know is in that eighth house in Gemini this dimension could indicate love proving deadly, promiscuous or out of step with the times. Siblings may have also been involved, the loss of children or dying young. She may have died young or lost a child. Creativity or spiritual connection with the occult. Telling the truth or not. Having to lie possibly to stay alive. Jupiter makes the person a target for 
overreaching and overdoing. Okay, so the south node has Mercury rapidly changing circumstances in this past life. Uh, keep in mind that she, she would have been very active. Communication was your tool and tool and truth maybe not so much. Jupiter is also conjunct to Mars. This is the adjective, ouch, my way or the highway. A life or lives definitely cut short. Yours or you cut other people's lives short. The king or queen with the power to cut. You were your own worst enemy, arg, not seeing the damage done. Okay, so... One needs to sort of set, sit with the images that I've just spoken about because um, it almost sounds like that coming into this life, one is looking at the results of what she was doing in this prior life and whether or not that was a good thing or a bad thing. If it was a bad thing, then she's making amends. Um, if it was a good thing, then it's how, how do you point out that, you know, we can't be in the world like this because you know the, you know, what the end result is and it's not good. And again, the client herself is going to have a better sense of the answer to that question. Okay, so uh, now you've come back to earth to get down to earth, to be grounded, to become skillful, helping people to navigate the profound challenges that life can put them through, to connect them to healing, creative life energy, to hear the hard stories, to not judge. There is also an element of social change that can come about with the personal work that you do. Um, and that's your north node, 11th house Virgo, and that is the way the soul is trying to go. Bringing medicine forward in a more holistic way, incorporating the energetic, the creative, and magical to healing. Hmm. Sort of similar, but like I was saying earlier, I'm going to need to get some feedback from this client. Okay. This model that I used to use does not directly speak to timing either, but in the past I would look at transits and progressions and solar arcs for timing. Why this question now? Internal timing suggests that um, her position out there in the community has caught up to her ascendant. How do others see her life? And what's she going to do with her legacy? The ascendant itself is getting ready to change signs. Time to leave the old self behind and move on. Mars will join the MC, going public, and Mercury conjoining Uranus, speaking her truth about relationships and profound transformations that can occur through those relationships. Okay, the actual sun itself is catching up to a midpoint, the need to transcend ordinary thought patterns. Okay, so have you yourself truly embraced this journey that you're on and are you living it you know not just talking about it okay um another midpoint that the sun is catching up to neptune north node will you be able to speak and be understood with what you've gained right that could be a challenge now i noticed in particular that she has a karmic check 
coming up in the next six to ten months, um, possibly a year. Um, and it is a soul crisis. Okay, so if I sort of pull back and I look at, um, you know, some of the timing things that I've already spoke to, that um, it's kind of now or never. And in terms of how much she has tackled the challenges that life has faced her that come out of her family system and her personal relationships that have to do with death and inheritance and, um, you know, what happens when two people come together and the transformation that that evokes in them if you take a more modern stance. And so the question is, what has been left unfinished, okay? Um, what have you not touched that's down that rabbit hole? Um, that could be what this question is actually secretly asking. Do I actually have to go there? And I would say, yeah, unless you want to come back and do it again, because <laughs> that's kind of what karma says. But, you know, it depends on her worldview. And again, so, you know, if you get clients coming in with these kinds of questions, there's a bit of chit chat that's going to have to take place in order to see the chart through their eyes, through where they're at, through what level of self-actualization, individuation they are at, um, how courageous, I mean, she's got tools. That's what this chart just screams at me, is you've got tools to go the distance, to um, do the lessons and be successful and to leave the breadcrumbs for others to follow. So, yeah. Okay, that was anonymous number five. And we're going to move on to, okay, does I have anything else here? Yeah, no, that's good. Okay, so we, ha oh, we got lots of time, but I have good music to finish off today, so I'm not worried about it. <laughs> okay, where's that moon? Um, and also, I will be sort of giving a bit of a rundown next week on August, um, and just a little, um, preview. August will be easier than July. Yay. But we need to have that little bit of break because September is a gong show. There's just, you know, we can, we could paint it pretty, but nah, it's not going to be pretty. Um, and so, um, yeah, uh, we're almost through July. Yay. <laughs> okay. So today the moon is in social Libra and it should provide an easy day until things heat up in the evening. The moon will square Cancer Mercury at 4.11 p.m., requiring respect between folks who want situations their way. If the situations do not resolve, they will heat to more drastic polarization when the moon opposes Mars at about, and of course Mars is in Aries, at 8.49 p.m. Ouch. Okay. Tomorrow, July the 26th. Moon continues in Libra, but she squares off with social structures. Ouch. Square number one, Jupiter at 5.41 a.m. The king and queen square off. Then we get power challenges with the square to Pluto, 10.11 a.m. Then to cap off a tense day, square to Saturn 
at 6.08 p.m. Who's in charge? So actual relief when the moon shifts into Scorpio, which is a big surprise normally when I say moon's going into Scorpio, I say, okay, hold on, we're going to do the deep dive. But after what's going to be going on during the day tomorrow, we're going to like Scorpio. <laughs> and that comes in around 9, 11 p.m. Okay, it's like yesterday was a shit show for people trying to make their way, trying to make things go their way or no way, but hey, with Scorpio, we kinda, we can ride it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you all know those, you know, quiet hidey holes for when life these days in 2020, it's like, where's the reset button? I wanna go back, it just seems so much simpler. Okay, Monday, July the 27th. Again, moon's still in Scorpio. It's squaring to that fixed sign Uranus. So, yeah, more tension. Um, but this could be more about shocking and surprising changes of direction. Left, no right. No, let's go up. No, sideways. Our financial markets may be where this hits. We also have Jupiter backing up to sextile to Neptune. Oh dear, someone trying to BS us into believing that all has been okay when really the curtain is pulled back to show not. Venus squares that same Neptune. All this circus is beginning at 9.07 a.m. and finishes at 10.47 a.m. We have a wee break before the real fighting words erupt. Ah, uh, right. Mercury makes its perfect square to Mars at 2.45 p.m. Breathe. Everyone breathe. Everyone breathe. This was Monday, right? Yeah, well, like I say, August is going to be easier. Just keep that in mind. We only have one more week to go. <laughs> okay, July the 28th. Moon in Scorpio helps us deal with the energy of the last two days. Strong emotions are doable if we keep conscious. Timing for the roller coaster is as follows. Moon sextile Jupiter, 8.07 a.m. You're going up. Moments later, bliss. Moon trine Neptune at 8.17 a.m. Then it's a surge of power. Sextile to Pluto at 1.05 p.m. Ending the day with control. Yes, you want control. Moon sextile Saturn at 9.05 p.m. Good luck sleeping tonight because people are going to be jazzed. And let's hope in a, you know, a blissful heading for um, ecstasy rather than any of the other alternatives. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Wednesday, July the 29th. The rush to be optimistic gets us out of bed. It's hump day and it's a good day. Only one aspect um, and that is the moon trying the sun. This is a Sag moon, right? And it trines the sun at 12.46 p.m. Yay! Wednesday will be an easy day. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Thursday, July the 30th. That same Sag moon has smooth aspects for all through the morning, then throws us a wee curveball in the afternoon. Uh, when she ties Venus and Neptune together, expect misdirection in relationships, glamour possibly and confusion. Moon squares Neptune at 12.20 p.m. And then the moon opposes Venus at 5.07 p.m. Okay, 
Meanwhile, Mercury makes outrageous claims before lunch. Can you believe for a second, but no more? Mercury opposes Jupiter at 7.17 a.m. and then squares Neptune at 11.44 a.m. So whatever is announced at that time on Thursday the 30th, take with a huge grain of salt because it's likely going to be caca. Okay, last day of July. Yay! How can this be? <laughs> the last day. Yay! Moon ingress is into Capricorn. Okay, cast your mind back to the first week of July when the moon took the temperature of the status quo social structure. And we see upticks. That was back in the 1st of July, right? There was this, uh-oh, what's happening down in the States? Oh, they're starting to head up again. Oh, no, oh, no. Okay. So are we going to be in that same boat? Because on Friday, we get the check. Um, what will we see today and tomorrow? And, of course, the moon's first stop is Uranus. It's trying it at 11.35 p.m. Hurricane season is starting. Ah, we've got a pandemic. Ah, not a happy combination. Okay, for the 1st of August, like I say, it's act August is actually going to be a little easier, but not the 1st of August, not the very first day, not my show next week. What do we have? We have Capricorn Moon, and we have Cancer and Mercury, and, or Mercury and Cancer, pardon me, and we have Mars and Aries, and of course we've got all that wonderful gang up there, Jupiter, Pluto, Saturn, and Capricorn, and that's some huge big square. Yuck. Stand up and be counted if you have what it takes. Otherwise, speak your truth to power from a safe distance. Mars would love to pour gasoline on challenges today. Alrighty. So, <laughs> let me get my little thing happening here because I'm about to sign off. I am. And I have some wonderful music kind of all around. Yeah. And I've got, oh, I've got time for most of it. Yes. So you will first hear, I right, realized that I wasn't saying this and I probably should. So first up will be Paul Brandt, The Journey, then One Republic, Good Life, and then capping it off with one of my old favorites, Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven. Okay, you have been listening to CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. I have been your host, Maureen Reed, and I will be back next week. Be kind, be safe, and have a great week you guys. This is a rebroadcast of my radio show Astrology Today, which aired on CJMP 90.1 FM Powell Rivers Community Radio Station.